Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hash It Out. I am your co-host, Deborah, and here with me today are Janae and Chelsea. For this episode, we will be discussing a variety of issues surrounding the LGBTQ plus community. But before we dive into that, we want to define some terms. So we're going to define the term LGBTQIA. This is an inclusive term, which stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and or questioning, intersex, asexual, and or allies. Next, we will clarify some terms that often confuse people. So what is the difference between gender identity, sexual orientation, and gender expression? Well, gender identity is one's innermost concept of self. It is how they view themselves and what they call themselves. One's gender identity can be the same or different from the one that they were assigned at birth. Sexual orientation, on the other hand, describes your pattern of emotional, romantic, or sexual attraction. This may include attraction to the same gender, a gender different than your own, both men and women, all genders, or neither. Gender expression is the external appearance of one's gender identity, usually expressed through behavior, clothing, haircut, or voice, and which may or may not conform to socially defined behaviors and characteristics typically associated with being either masculine or feminine. So now that we've defined those terms, let's go to Janae with our first topic, discrimination, specifically when it comes to how businesses treat LGBTQ customers. So first, I want to talk about why this is even a problem. This is a problem, more specifically, I'm going to talk about in Indiana. As you guys know, Mike Pence was the governor um, a few years back, and he signed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana. This basically is a law that states the government can't substantially burden a person's exercise of religion, and that individuals who feel like their religious beliefs have been or could be substantially burdened can lean on this law to fend off lawsuits. In more simpler terms, basically what this means is a business can deny you service if you are an LGBTQ plus individual without any legal repercussions. So you can't really file a lawsuit because of this act. It basically states that that's their religious religious beliefs and that's it. So just to go a little bit more in depth um, away from Indiana, 12 states have policies that permit the denial of services to LGBTQ plus individuals based on religion. 22 states have anti-discrimination laws that, if upheld, could require businesses to serve same-sex couples regardless of their religious beliefs. Now I'm just going to talk about a case um, where a baker refused to create a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. And the couple, of course, wanted to sue, but the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear the case, even though this was clearly a form of discrimination. There there was also a similar case involving a florist who made a similar denial, and the court also basically did the same thing and sent the florist case back down to lower court, refusing to take the case. Several cases have been heard around the country in which bakers, florists, and photographers have refused service to same-sex couples because of religious convictions. On a better note, there was a case in Oregon where a bakery refused to make a cake for a lesbian couple and they were fined $135,000, as they should have been. So thank you for talking about that, Janae. Next, I will talk about access to healthcare. All people who need medical care should be able to see their doctor without worrying about being mistreated, harassed, or denied service outright. But members of the LGBTQ community often face health disparities linked to societal stigma, discrimination, and denial of their civil and human rights. While LGBTQ individuals have many of the same health concerns as the general population, they experience certain health challenges at higher rates, and they also face several unique health challenges. 
In particular, research suggests that some subgroups of the LGBTQ community are more likely to suffer from certain chronic conditions and face higher prevalence and earlier onset of disabilities compared to heterosexuals. Other major health concerns include HIV and AIDS, mental illness, substance use, and sexual and physical violence. In addition to the higher rates of illness and health challenges, some LGBTQ individuals are more likely to experience challenges obtaining care. Barriers include gaps in coverage for certain groups, cost-related hurdles, and stigma, including poor treatment from healthcare providers. So building off of that, um, one of the things that is really disheartening about what's happening right now within our um, current administration is that um, Trump has attempted to restrict LGBTQ plus people's health care by moving forward with two rules. Um, in May of last year, the Trump administration announced a rule that would allow health care providers to deny medical care to patients under the umbrella of religious freedom. And then advocacy groups obviously opposed the rule, which said that that would lead to discrimination against LGBTQ plus patients. A federal judge struck down the rule last year. So in June, the Trump administration finalized the second rule that would roll back protections for LGBTQ plus people um, in the Affordable Care Act. This rule was released Friday, June 12th, which was the fourth anniversary of the Pulse shooting, which left 49 victims, including many queer and trans people dead in an Orlando, Florida nightclub. Okay, so the rule would basically reverse um, an Obama-era interpretation that same-sex discrimination under Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act applied to discrimination against queer and trans people, as well as people who are seeking to have an abortion. Um, In August, a federal judge stopped the rule one day before it was supposed to go into effect. Yeah, so now with the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, there are a lot of fears from the LGBTQ community about how her decisions on certain rulings can negatively affect the community in terms of the rights they fought so hard for. Discrimination in healthcare settings endangers LGBTQ people's lives through delays or denial of medically necessary care. For example, after one patient with HIV disclosed to a hospital that he had sex with other men, the hospital staff refused to provide his HIV medication. In another case, a transgender teenager who was admitted to a hospital for suicidal ideation and self-inflicted injuries was repeatedly misgendered and then discharged early by hospital staff. He later committed suicide. Discrimination affects LGBTQ parents as well. In Michigan, an infant was turned away from a pediatrician's office just because she had same-sex parents. What do you guys think about this? I want to go back to something that Janae had mentioned, and it kind of ties in your topic, about this religious conviction thing. I find it very, like, ironic and, you know, a little hypocritical of the government is that we have this big thing of separation in church and state. It was this huge thing when, you know, my parents were were coming up is that you don't bring religion and the state in the same caliber like they just don't belong and I find it funny how you come up to today when we're coming up as adults is that you see how religion plays a lot into how politics is formed you know I find it very very hypocritical um when whether that be abortion or same or in this case same-sex couples is that you see a lot of religion being played and me being a Christian I think a lot of people a lot of people come at me really really hard because I talk about things like this um I really do not care really I just feel like you've had these policies for years that there is a separation in church and state keep it that way if you don't believe in it, okay, fine. Mind your business. Turn the other way. But for you to deny people access 
regardless of what their sexual orientation is, at the end of the day, they're still American citizens, and we all have that constitutional right to health care. So not only are you being morally unjust, you're being unconstitutional. And then that's where I have a problem, because we're granted these freedoms under the Constitution, but because of who I love or who I decide to lay in the bed next to, now I can't be provided health care as a citizen. That makes absolutely no sense to me. I definitely agree with Chelsea, but I want to backtrack a little bit to the transgender teen who ended up taking their life. I think that the hospital should be held accountable for that. And the people who were in charge of him or released him early, they need to be fired. They should not be allowed in any healthcare facility ever again. I really think that that's just awful. And yeah, the hospital should be sued. And then I also want to talk a little bit about keeping church and state separate. I definitely agree with Chelsea 100%. I think it's just very hypocritical and ridiculous that it's not separate. Yeah, so like you guys both said, as far as like separation of religion and government, I think that it's in the Bill of Rights, you know, freedom of religion, First Amendment. But apparently the way the government is run and the way these people are acting, it's like you're only you're only allowed freedom of religion if you're Christian, you know, and like that's not what that meant. So building off of that, I feel like you guys said, it's really hypocritical because they want their religious beliefs to be represented by their government when, you know, that's not the religious beliefs of the entire country. Like this country doesn't have a defined religion but they want that representation, but they also don't want the government involved when it comes to certain things like churches paying taxes. So then there's like this whole, like it's really hypocritical. It just kind of comes to show, like I said before, it's freedom of religion, but only if you're Christian. And then building off of just all the discrimination in the healthcare setting, as um, someone who's pre-med and wants to be a medical professional in the future, I want to be a doctor. I think it's absolutely disgusting that these medical professionals are turning away people just because they're a part of the LGBTQ community. When you decided that you wanted to be in healthcare, it wasn't healthcare just for people who agree with your beliefs. It's healthcare for everyone. Everyone is a human. So I just don't understand how people who have dedicated their time to helping other people be healthy can refuse to, you know, be someone who helps people be healthy regardless of who they are. They're human. The, just the fact that they're human means that they automatically are deserving of that care. I really hope that that hospital, you know, had some kind of a repercussion because that is just crazy. Like, that is a life. Regardless of how that person identified, that was a human and you failed and you did not uphold the Hippocratic Oath. So um, that being said, next I'll go ahead and pass it off to Janae to talk about discrimination when it comes to housing. LGBTQ plus people face significant levels of discrimination in housing, which can take a variety of forms, but the most common ones that we see are people at risk of being denied, charged higher rates, or being removed from housing. Currently, there is no federal law that consistently protects LGBTQ individuals from housing discrimination. A 2013 study done by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development showed that same-sex couples experienced significant levels of discrimination when responding to advertised rental housings in major cities nationwide. There was a bill proposed in 2019 called the Fair and Equal Housing Contract. That has unfortunately not been passed. The Fair and Equal Housing Act would have provided non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ plus people in housing by adding sexual orientation and gender identity as protected characteristics under the Fair Housing Act, which currently prohibits discrimination of race, color, religion, 
all those things. So why don't we have sexual orientation and gender identity? Just to go a little bit more in depth, the Fair and Equal Housing Act also clarifies existing law to ensure that housing protections apply to anyone who experiences discrimination because they are perceived or they are associated associated with someone of uh, sexual orientation, gender, or gender identity. I think that that clarification should be made that um, you can't discriminate based off of sexual orientation or gender identity. I think that that is some the protection that needs to be placed. And like you said, it's really unfortunate that that has not been passed because I feel like in this day and age, denying people housing, like literally shelter, one of our basic needs, just because of, again, how they um, identify themselves and who they choose to love is just ridiculous. Like it's 2020. Everyone should be able to at least have a roof over their head without having to fear being discriminated against. And I think that that bill that was proposed in 2019 would have definitely been a step in the right direction. And I think it's really upsetting that it wasn't passed. Um, so I'm going to be talking about LGBTQ plus erasure within black and brown communities. I can't really speak for anybody else's community, but I know as a black person, uh, oftentimes we have these taboo subjects that you just don't talk about. Uh, mental health, toxic masculinity, um, rape and sexual assault, and another one being LGBTQ plus. Um, and one of the things that I often say is being black is not monolithic. There are many, many ways to be black and being LGBTQ plus and being black is one of them. And when we have these discussions about being lesbian, gay, transgender, questioning and being black, it's often pushed under the rug. OK, you're gay let's stop talking about it or it's okay you're gay and here are all these negative connotations that go along with it and I often see that with black men is that they're often seen as less of a man if they come out as gay if they come out as bisexual and it's disheartening because we are in this society that already doesn't protect us as black people and then to have our own community look at us as less than because of our sexual orientation, because of who we choose to love. It's very, very sad and it's very disheartening. And as I always say, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. And if one of us isn't free, then we all are not free. And so you have this system that is not built to protect black people at all. It's, you know, we can't say that we're pro-black and then be anti-LGBTQ plus because of the way intersectionality works. That's like saying I'm pro-black, but I hate black women. I'm pro-black, but I hate black men. I'm pro-black, but I don't believe in black history. I don't believe in black entertainment. I don't believe in black art. It's so many different intersects of being black that you have to love everything that is black. If I always say that if you're going to stand in black, you stand in all shades and all ways of black. Um, I often think about the civil rights movement. Marsha P. Johnson, um, who was a very big advocate in the 1950s and 60s for gay liberation, but was also a very big advocate for the civil rights movement. You don't hear about her enough. Why? Because she was a trans black woman. And that even trickles down to Patrice Cullors, who is one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement that happened back in 2012 with um, following the shooting of Trayvon Martin and the acquittal of George Zimmerman in 2013. She is not often talked about as much as Alicia Garza is. Why? Because she is a queer black woman. And I saw during the summer that a lot of people had to say when the tragic deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and Jay Sean Reed and Breonna Taylor happened is that we were having to say all Black Lives Matter because in spite of this happening, there were a lot of trans black women and men being killed, but you didn't hear about it. Why? 
because they were a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm not saying any of this in a way to talk down on the black community because I love being black. I love my community. But there are so many things that we need to fix within ourselves in order to protect, in order for us to ask the government to protect us, which, you know, that's another situation in itself that we can talk about in another episode. Um, And then my last little point that I want to make is that representation matters. And we fought so hard for so many years to get black faces on television. And now we're fighting even harder to find those black LGBT plus places on television, on radio, on magazines. And so I just want to put out there that you can't say black lives matter if you're not meaning all black lives. And That was a lot of me saying that. So how do we, let's unpack that. Let's talk about it. I definitely see where you're coming from because in the brown community, you know, me being a Latina, I see a lot of the same similarities. And I think that toxic masculinity is an issue that is also really taboo within that community that we just don't talk about. And I know that when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community, within the Latin community, there's just a lot of negative connotations, like you said. Again, tying off of this idea of toxic masculinity and the idea that if you are a part of the LGBTQ plus community, that automatically makes you less of a man, um, which they basically praise like masculinity and all that, but it's just disappointing. So, I mean, I love my um, Latino culture, but I am willing to accept that we have a lot of issues within our community. And I think not being accepting of LGBTQ plus is a big one. So I feel like within the Latino community as well, like you said, Chelsea, it's just it's just taboo. It's something we don't talk about. It's a community that we don't accept. And I really hate that about the Latino community because I feel like we could do better. It doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter how you identify. You are still my Latina sister, my Latino brother. You are still a proud Latino. So that was really great, Deborah. And just to backtrack on Chelsea, um, being from the black community, I definitely understand um, what she's talking about. And I think it was really sad this summer when the Black Lives Matter was going on and we actually had to specify that all black bodies matter, not just cisgender people. So um, just to talk a little bit about that, there's, I don't know, so many cases of black transgender women that are killed every year. And you don't hear nothing about it. You don't hear anything about it. So um, it's just really sad. And I definitely agree with both of you guys' points. And I think um, there are problems within both communities that we definitely need to face. I think kind of going outside of just like the black and brown communities, we see it in the media all the time where they use derogatory terms, words usually associated with the LGBTQ community in order to insult others. I feel like that's something that we see in the media a lot, especially some of the older movies. But I think about how even like me right now, I know like children who use these terms and they don't understand what they're saying is wrong. And I just, that's like a generational thing. That's not something like no child is born hating people. That is something that they are taught. That is something that they're educated, socialized on. And I I just think it's disgusting that children are throwing around these words that have such an impact on people that have been used to stigmatize, that have been used to dehumanize this entire community, and they're throwing it around as insults and not really understanding what they're saying. 
and then they're just going to grow up and they're going to continue using those hurtful words and then even knowing what they mean they just won't care and i think that's how those words continue in our society where people grow up using these words casually throwing these words around that hurt people and no one told them that's not okay and again the media has a lot to do with that education in schools has a lot to do with that and you know parents have a lot to do with that um, I'm glad you hit on education in schools, being an education major. I think that that's something that really just needs to be talked about and t- have making it mandatory that cultural competency and LGBT plus history and black history and, and all types of cultural history needs to be mandatory in schools. That's a whole nother topic for an entire nother segment because I could talk about that all day. Um, but I think education at home and education in the schools is the first start to making sure that those kind of words are not used. I think education is extremely, extremely important because like you said, children don't grow up hating people. That is a taught and learned behavior. And I also think that those type of words are, like you said, generational, they pass down. I think about how my um, my uncle used to tell my cousins all the time, stop being such a fill in the blank, stop being such a fill in the blank, you're a man, act like it. What does that mean? And that's how you get toxic masculinity because you make it seem like that being softer, being being human is, you know, is a bad thing. It's, you know what I mean? So yeah, definitely education is a big, 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 big thing. I agree, Chelsea. I remember growing up definitely hearing that word a lot. And at first I didn't really understand what it meant, but as I got older and I was educated, I realized that is really toxic masculinity and that's definitely where it stems from. Yeah, but like both of you guys said that all of these attitudes and all of these ways that we use these derogatory terms, they have an impact. It's not only bad in the sense that it's not a phrase that people should be using. It's not terms that people should be using because of the negative connotations it has for the community. You also have to think about the people who are members of that community who maybe haven't come out yet. And they're surrounded by these people using these words that are meant to dehumanize them, to make them feel like less of a person just because of who they want to be and who they are. So that ties into our next topic which is mental health in the LGBTQ community. Discrimination against the LGBTQ persons has been associated with high rates of psychiatric disorders, substance abuse, and suicide. Experiences of violence are frequent for LGBTQ individuals and have long-lasting effects on the individual and the community. Personal, family, and social acceptance of sexual orientation and gender identity affects the mental health and personal safety of LGBTQ individuals as well. According to the Mental Health America, approximately 4.5% of the U.S. population identifies as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Of those, over 39% reported having a mental illness in the past years. The bisexual and transgender communities have the highest rates of mental health concerns within the LGBTQ population. Younger members of the community struggle with the most mental health concerns of all aged groups. Yeah, and most LGBTQ plus individuals are incredibly resilient and will thrive in the face of adversity with the help of supportive families, communities, and peers. One study even found that LGBTQ plus people use mental health services at 2.5 times higher rates than their straight counterparts. However, they are also at particular risk for experiencing shame, fear, discrimination, and adverse and traumatic effects. 
As we mentioned earlier, there are many negative stereotypes about being LGBTQ+, which makes many uncomfortable letting people know this is an important part of their identity. When people do openly express this part of themselves, they face the potential of rejection from peers, colleagues, and friends, and that can exacerbate feelings of loneliness. So 57% of LGBTQ plus people say that they or an LGBTQ plus friend or family member have been threatened or non-sexually harassed. 51% have been sexually harassed or experienced violence because of their sexuality or gender identity. 38% of transgender people say that they have experienced slurs and 28% have experienced insensitive or offensive comments because of their gender identity or sexual orientation. 48% of transgender adults report that they have considered suicide in the last year, compared to 4% of the overall U.S. population. If those statistics aren't incredibly upsetting, then there is a problem. What do you guys think about them? Deborah, I think that that's really good that you brought this up. This is definitely something that doesn't get enough awareness. And I think it's really awful that more than half have been sexually assaulted or threatened with violence just because of their sexual identity, um, I mean, sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, And then just to go um, a little bit off topic, there was a video that was circling around a few months back. It was three women of color, they were transgender, and there was a video that was live streamed about Um, with about five to six black men and they were attacking them the ambulance had to be called one girl was unconscious Um, they stole their shoes it was all because they were transgender initially um, what happened um, and they even have camera footage of this the girls were minding their own business they were in like a corner shop the men came in they found them attractive they found out they were transgender and they got upset and that just really makes me mad because what was the point of beating them? What was the point of knocking them unconscious, stealing their purse? Because you're confused. She's a woman. You can be attracted to a woman, that's fine. And it just really made me mad because nobody on the street stopped to help them. And this really makes me upset with my community because black people walked by, even a black woman. And she didn't do anything. And they just, everyone just thought it was so funny, and it's just really upsetting because I really expect more from my community, honestly. And just thinking back about the video, I really shouldn't have watched it. It just really makes me upset thinking back that nobody helped them. They also had their phones taken, so they were asking people on the street. They were begging, can someone please call an ambulance? Nobody did anything. Um, I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. Um Once again, I love my community. I love being black and I love everything that is about my community. But as Deborah hit on earlier, there are, I'm okay with acknowledging that there are so many things that need to be worked on within my community. And that is protecting all black lives, regardless of sexual orientation. Um, Like you mentioned, there were, I, 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 like I said earlier in the um, in the podcast is that we already have a system that is against us, a system that is designed to fail us, a system that is not here to protect us. So when we cannot protect our own, it angers me, not just as a human, but as a black person, because we know the odds that are stacked against us. So how dare we turn against our own? regardless of who they love, of who they decide to lay in the bed with, of what gender they decide to choose they want to be. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And watching that video, I was disgusted. I was sickened because they're human at the end of the day. 
These are people at the end of the day. Like you said, Janae, what was the purpose in beating them? If you didn't like, if you didn't like that, okay, cool. Go about your business. But you took it upon yourself to be hateful. You took it upon yourself to be cruel. And then for bystanders to walk past and not do anything about it, we always go to this thing about protect black women, protect black women. But when it's time to step up and protect black women, we walk away. And at the end of the day, these were three women. I don't care what biology says. This is who they are. This is who they want to be. They are women. And you walked away. And as a black woman, I was disgusted. I was hurt. I was annoyed. I was irritated. But most importantly, I was angry because we see on Twitter, we see on Facebook, we see on Instagram all day, protect black women, protect black women. Here was a chance to step up and protect black women. And you didn't do that. So now I have a problem. Do any of you guys have any final comments about the episode before we kind of close it up? Um, I've said it once. I'll say it again. All black lives matter. Um, to anybody that is in the LGBTQ plus community, no, I may not be a part of your community, but know that I see you, I hear you, I feel you, and I love you, and you always have an advocate and an ally in me. And guys, let's love on one another. With everything going on in this world, the last thing we need is hate. I agree with Chelsea. This is the time to stick together, so let's all do that. Thank you guys for those closing remarks. Like Chelsea said, you guys also have an ally in me. Hopefully the world would become a better place. And I really wish that this wasn't an issue that we had to address because with all of the hate already in the world, I don't understand why a matter of love creates more hate. It just doesn't make sense to me. So for those members of the LGBTQ plus community, love who you wanna love, be who you wanna be, and don't let anyone tell you that those emotions that you feel are not valid because they are. That being said, we're going to go ahead and end the episode here. Thank you very much for tuning in.